it's the zero that you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. 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 Jane, is there somewhere you'd like to start? Wait, isn't this a show about bookstores? Why am I listening to a grocery store checkout? You're not. What you're hearing is what we at Mystery to Me call inventory. Last Monday, when the store was closed, we all came in to count everything in the store. Yep, every single thing. Each book, each tin of mints, every pair of reading glasses. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes on in a bookstore. A lot of things that you may not see, or things that you do see, but never noticed before. Today on Open Books, we're talking about all those things. We're talking about bookstore anatomy and physiology. Hey, our original cast is back. That's fun. Hey! Um, Quick refresher, this is the voice of Charlotte Colaluca, events manager and bookseller at Mystery to Me. I'm Tim, last name redacted, bookseller at Mystery (laughs) to Me. Hey, I'm Jane Rousham, bookstore manager and bookseller. I'm Hannah. Last name redacted. Sure. <laughs> She's also a bookseller here at Mystery oh, yes, I am. <laughs> right. As I said, today we're going to talk about bookstore anatomy and physiology, my cute little title for how does a bookstore work. Last week, I talked to Joanne about where, a book st- where bookstores come from, <laughs> the birds and the bees of <laughs> the bookstore. So I think the best way for us to talk about this is from the viewpoint of a book. How does a book come into our bookstore? So um, we have book reps. Some of them um, we meet in-store. Some of them um, are phone calls. Books are by season. Hmm. Um, some publishers have three seasons. Some have four seasons. So we're right now in summer with our reps. Mm-hmm. It's like fashion week. It is like fashion most of the reps will send us either catalogs, physical catalogs, um, which I enjoy. Also, we work with um, software. It's called Adelweiss. It has all kinds of publishers on it. And the reps will um, send us links to their catalogs. And they will highlight titles that they think that are important or they like. Or that they think are good for our store and clientele. Exactly. Which is really, really cool. Really helpful. So there's actually a relationship between our reps and and any specific bookstore. Like they're paying attention to who buys what from us. And when we meet them in person or even over the phone, we'll bring up certain customers like this person really like this. And our reps will say like, don't you have a, a customer who really really loves World War II space opera alien romances. And we're like, yes. And then we'll bring in a book like that. And the, the amazing thing about raps is um, they pay particular attention to how the store grows mm-hmm. and what's inside the store. It took us a couple of years for rep to, to, to build up. And our store is evolving. Mm-hmm. It's very organic and it's evolving. And they're running with us mm-hmm. to help us out. Like, what's, what are you guys going to do next? I didn't think of that one for you guys, but hey, I know you were doing this, so I saw this. Jane, um, do you want an arc on that? And I'll say yes, please. And <laughs> I don't think I've it. ever seen you say no, no to an arc. Yeah. There were two. <laughs> two I can think of. <laughs> what is the difference of tone in the seasons? In fall and early spring, you get like the blockbusters. Sure big literary books, also big history tomes. Mm -hmm. 
because um, you're buying into the holiday season and those sell well. I remember when that Oliver Cromwell book showed up and I was like, who in gay hell is going to read this book? But it's winter and why not read a 700 page book about Oliver Cromwell because he was an interesting dude. True. Dude, winter time. Yeah. That's, I tend to read more nonfiction in winter. Me too. Yeah. Isn't it's like, it, yeah, I yeah. hunker down. Yep. And do that. Um, well, you're like, if we ever see the sun again, I will be into woodworking. I'll read a book <laughs> about it now. <laughs> I know, I mean, looking at the summer catalogs, you can see even in the cover art, it changes drastically into these bright, poppy, Pantone colors right now, anyway, in 2020. Right. Trade, everything is moving into trade paperback because people are traveling and they just want to pick it up at the airport or throw it in their bag and not be too heavy. It's usually um, a year to get them um, mm-hmm. from hardcover to trade. Another way that we get new books in the store especially now that we have Hannah in our YA section and I am and kids. Hannah, you are particularly good at reaching out to authors directly via social media, which is very cool and very new. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I am learning this year that authors are not scary celebrities that don't talk to us, (laughs) humble readers. They actually like when you um, put your book out online, when you tweet that you just finished the book when you tweet a quote from the book or when you put an Instagram post together or I personally have a website where I do book reviews so every time that I write one I tag them in it so that they can see it Um, and a lot of times they will give that to then their agents if they're like getting ready for a book launch then they will put that out because then they can say hey a reader has already read it and they really like it Mm -hmm. Um, so one person in particular that I did that with was an author named Holly Dobby Um, I found her on Twitter and messaged her because I saw that she had a book that was about a girl who gets bullied in high school Um, and I was a teacher so I was really interested in that and then she sent me a free copy and I wrote a book review and now I message her frequently (laughs) just to see (laughs) how she's doing (laughs) so we're Twitter friends Um, but people who read books and just buy them in a bookstore you should absolutely reach out to the author because they love it yeah totally we learned that at Heartland Fall Forum too the booksellers conference that Mm -hmm. authors are like dying to know how is my book doing not just from like the New York Times or Newsweek I don't know who reviews books <laughs> um but from the actual people reading them which is cool and that's not a bookseller secret either that's anyone who's reading the book can totally do that and for all of our listeners out there let your booksellers know let us know what you want to see in the store 100 percent. last week on our Instagram story I put Glennon Doyle's book on our Instagram story because a customer pre-ordered it from us like months ago and I didn't wasn't even on my radar and then I checked it out and I I can't wait to get my hands on that book so Glennon Doyle if you want to send me an arc of Untamed I am available to we read are it waiting by the phone <laughs> oh my goodness so on Saturday January 25th we have John Edder coming to read from his book his <sighs> next book another dreadful fairy book now. How we got this event to happen uh, is a great story. It was a bribe. It was a bribe. (laughs) It was. It was not. Um, So we have a young readers program, which I can't remember if I've talked about before, but basically we have um, young kids who are reading sort of middle grade level books read the middle grade uh, arcs, and they tell us what they like and what they think we should have in the store. 
And then we also get to know them and they will tell us what they think of our regular inventory and what they're loving and authors they like. Um, so we have a particular young reader whose name I won't say cause he's a minor, but he read John Edder's first book, a dreadful fairy book. And he was, he's like obsessed with John Edder, which is impressive. I don't think I was 10 or 11 and was obsessed with authors. He's a very advanced reader. Yes. So he asked us, can we get John Edder? Can you get John Edder to come to the store? We did a little bookstore magic, which is just reaching out to their publisher and <laughs> publicist. And we set up this visit with John Edder. Ask your booksellers if you don't see a book that you want yeah. in any store, not just ours. That's something as a customer I would have been scared to ask yes. if I didn't see it. So ask them. I love ordering books for people. Oh, there is so. such pleasure in someone wanting something really specific and then it shows up and you get to call them and like... Oh, it's just such a small thing, but I love it. It's like really wish exciting. fulfillment. Yeah. <laughs> and we also end up keeping some of the books on the shelves, bringing them mm-hmm. in, saying, oh, how did we miss this one? Absolutely. But this looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Joanne was saying on last week's episode that that's how she built the inventory. That's not necessarily magic. It's just paying attention. Or <laughs> <laughs> the sticker book collection we've acquired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stickers are when off the wall. Joanne noticed that... You know, parents were coming in with little kids. The kids were like, there's nothing for me in here. Like, what can I look at? <laughs> and I think Joanne said she started it because she had a catalog from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she asked a little girl, like, hey, is there anything in here you would like? And she ordered it. And then people bought it. Oh, and my they just gosh. Kept yeah, buying it. it and Those now we boxes. have Sparkle Fairy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> because we're um, a small store and we're heavily curated, We, our customers know that we can't keep everything mm-hmm. but we really um let it be known to the customers that hey we can order that for you and if our distributors have it we can get it generally in two days mm-hmm. where do we go to find this book our primary distributor is ingram mm-hmm. and they have a really really handy interface between their um, distribution network which our primary distributor warehouses in Indiana. We can find where these books are, how close they are, how easy it's going to be to get them quickly, how many copies are back ordered, all sorts of really, really handy information like that in seconds. So we order this book. We put it in our system that it's been ordered, it's on its way, the warehouse knows. In some cases, we have to order right from the publisher, but either way, it gets into our system. And then on Tuesday, the mailman comes. <laughs> no, UPS. What's the difference? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my Daughter gosh. Daughter of a postmaster. <laughs> there is a difference. We're Tell starting a new podcast right now. <laughs> it's called Daughter of a Postmaster. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, but UPS and USPS. There's a difference. Tell us more. Well, there's an extra S for one. I mean, <laughs> most obviously. <laughs> the USPS brings us the mail, and sometimes we get galleys or arcs from people and, and if they send them yeah, to us. some publishers mm-hmm. send us some things. Mm-hmm. But yes. USPS is who brings us that lovely cart of very heavy boxes that we get to carry from one end of the store to the other. Yes, we do. So we get all these huge boxes, and some of them are filled with sticker books, and they weigh as much as a child. <laughs> we unpack them. Hannah, tell us about receiving. Uh, it's <laughs> Receiving is just putting the book into our system so that we can then sell it. Um, but if I take a long time, then we can't call the people who ordered the book 
and then they could potentially have to wait till the next day before they can come get the book. Mm-hmm. And as a reader who Charlotte already said I read a lot, I'd be really sad if I had to wait an extra day. Oh my God, I'd throw off your whole week. It yeah. really would, if you're depending <laughs> on it that Tuesday night. Um, so we put them into the computer system. It makes it so we can sell it. Can we always just take them out of the box and put them right out on the table? No. no. <laughs> Sometimes they have scary stickers that say, do not open until this date because you're not allowed to. Yeah. Big titles. Well, the- lots of times, those laydowns are Tuesdays. Laydown is the terminology for like a date of when you can put a certain book out mm-hmm. on shelves for for lay people to consume and buy. You may have seen on social media, there was a big hubbub about Margaret Atwood's new book, The Testaments, which was a real snafu in the publishing world. Can any or all of you speak to what happened there? Well, if I am recalling correctly, a certain large-scale distribution hellscape company (laughs) um, released that book before they were supposed to. So a bunch of people got... Their oh, hands yeah. on on that book a week or so before the hard laydown date, mm-hmm. and it really screwed over independent bookstores once again. <laughs> um, not naming any names, but this company is ruining the earth. The way that that hurts an independent bookstore is that if you can get a hot title like The Testaments a week in advance of when everyone else is supposed to be giving it out, then everybody goes and buys it online or at some big box store that shouldn't have put it out uh, so soon but did, and then nobody is buying it from independent bookstores. It's not a level playing field. No. At our particular bookstore, we also have bestseller uh, tables. We have the New York Times, which is an obvious one, but can you talk a little bit about Indie Next? What Indie Next does is we read ARCs. I, I think on the first podcast we talked about ARCs. What does it, it stand for as a refresher? Advanced Reader, reader copy Copies. Or a galley. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we read those. We go on Edelweiss again. Mm-hmm. And then we nominate it for Indie, De- Indie Next. And what Indie Next is is um, both hardcover and paperbacks of books that we think people might not see Mm -hmm. um, and that we love and we want to show the world how important this book is Mm -hmm. and how much we love it. And then there's also um, book club listing also Mm -hmm. for Indie Next. I think of the Indie Next corner in our store as you don't want to read what everyone else is reading on the New York Times bestseller list but you're too shy to actually talk to a bookseller. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to describe so it. So you go over there first and you're like, what am I not going to know about? And then there are all these amazing books that... Or so. people who are shopping for people in their lives who are readers, because chances are they've 100%. read the New York Times bestseller yeah. books. Whereas if you go to the Indie Next list, you're probably going to find something they're really going to like. They just right. haven't seen. Well, another thing about the Indie Next list is that it's... It's powered by independent bookstore booksellers, where the New York Times is more of a... I don't really know how it works. It's a sales thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a sales metric. And there are like qualifiers for that, and there's a, it's a lot of... We report our sales. Mm-hmm. It's what we sell um, during the week mm-hmm. to, to the New York Times. But it's also, you know, bigger stores yeah. reporting. Yeah. And, and to, you know, there's been the kerfuffles on... Um, People jacking the the list. 
with um, buying sheer quantities, and that's happened before. There's now a little dagger next to a title, mm-hmm. and that um, signifies that there were um, large quantity buys on that. So that's not just individual people buying the book. Yeah, to zoom out even further. Mm-hmm. Most of the books you see on the New York Times uh, bestseller list have huge houses behind them. And with, huge media yes, pushes. Yeah, or them. big names or something. So yeah. the IndieNex list is also good for small presses, independent presses, um, or new really authors. new authors, yeah, mm-hmm. debut authors mm-hmm. who aren't getting the full suite of everyone should go and read this debut novel. Um, I think the YA world does a great job with debut authors, but like oh, for sure. literary fiction, trade fiction doesn't mm. get so much of a push. So now this book is at the front of the store on the bestseller table or on the Indie Next or on our new releases shelf. Now it's been a couple of weeks. A new class of new books comes in. Where does that book go? I put mine on the staff picks because then customers will still... So we have a staff picks shelf in our bookstore um, which is all the booksellers pick their favorite books and they put them there so that customers will see them so instead of putting them spying out on the shelf um, where they might get missed you can put them on the staff pick shelf so Mm -hmm. if there's a book that I really like and it's been that allotted amount of time but I really don't have the heart to shelve it then I put (laughs) it on my staff picks (laughs) and you'll one warning if you start reaching out to authors a lot, you start to think of them as your little children, even though (laughs) they're all old. Like most of them are old enough to be my parent or like at least a cool aunt. But (laughs) I get really happy when I see that they have lots of likes. So I want them to get noticed. Yeah. Same. That's the thing is that with so many of new releases, Indie Next, we're rooting for these people. So we want to keep them face out. We want to talk about them, want to hand sell them to Mm -hmm. people. It's something that, yeah, we're, we're, if you're listening, we're rooting for we're you. We're trying. Yeah. <laughs> we're here for you. Yeah. I like to do what you do. I don't always put the, the titles that come right off the front tables into my staff picks necessarily, um, but I'll put them face out in their section. Absolutely. Because as soon as you put a book in the shelf with just its spine out, your eyes just go right over yeah. it, unless and until... One of your favorite booksellers is like, you know what is a hidden jewel? This book. Playing time is everything. We live in a very visual world. Mm -hmm. So next time you walk through a bookstore, make sure you look around. It's not haphazard what is facing out. It's things that you didn't see when you walked in, but you shouldn't pass up. The Um, other thing we do is we call it tagging. We'll write up a little note mm -hmm. and stick it on the book. That's mm-hmm. my favorite part of this job. Yeah. <laughs> Tagging. <laughs> just walking around with a clipboard full of Post-its and just writing little notes on them. You are really good at tagging, I must yeah. say. You and, and Charlotte you are, are both. a prolific reader. Yes. I follow you on Instagram, so I know what you're reading at all times. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Um, but you will like finish one and pick one up. It's amazing. One of the big chambers of the heart of a bookstore is events. We were talking about ordering books from Edelweiss, that software, book software catalog, Um, before we ever sit down to order books, I sit down to, uh, request events with those authors, like two seasons in advance because Mm -hmm. it's a person and their whole team coordinating tours and everything. Um, we have a couple of exciting events from those event grids in the works for this year. So stay tuned. Or we have authors reach out to us independently to come and, uh, come in the store and new 
authors are new to our readers and their new books bring people through. And they are 99% of the time free, all the time free. So far, all the yeah, time free. All free for everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. And something I try to think about when I'm planning these events and managing them is how are, how do we stand to make a little bit of money off of having this? Because we have to pay people to stay later to work and literally keep the lights on and all of that. So what's the cost-benefit analysis for us? Joanne wisely delineates our events for my (laughs) mental health. We have events where we're trying to get people to buy books and we make money. And there are other events that we have that have nothing to do with making money and are all about building a community, which is a theme we keep coming back to in this show is that a bookstore is not just a place that sells widgets. It's a place where people can gather and experience something together. I will admit that before having this job, I didn't give one single hoot about bookstore events. (laughs) But now I see I was so missing out. I mean, I used to live in New York City. I used to live in New York City. That (laughs) I missed out on a lot of those amazing events. And Madison is no different. We do a ton of events here. Absolutely. And we love to bring new authors, established authors, authors who are having these amazing independent careers that no one has heard about because they only show up at the New York Times bestseller table. All that to say that events are sort of, or as I said, a big part of the ecosystem of of any bookstore. When I first got this job, Joanne even said, we can't stay open if we don't have events. Not necessarily because they make us a ton of money, but because they keep traffic coming through. Which is it's a way for people to discover us. Yeah, absolutely. And build, I mean, people, it helps people build their trust in us as a business. I, I feel like a lot of what we were talking about with special ordering, with hand selling books, with having events is about kind of building a place where people can trust us with their time their free time. Mm -hmm. What have we got on the docket? Charlotte from New York. On Tuesday, actually, the day this episode drops, (laughs) Nick Petrie and his new book, The Wild One, are coming to Mystery to Me at 7 o'clock. His new one takes place in Iceland. Iceland. So come to the event and find out why he said it in Iceland and the backstory. Have you read it? No, I didn't get the arc, so I'm waiting until the book lands tomorrow. Oh my god, if looks could kill, I'd have I'd be dead. Um, exactly. Well, no. I had to give the book to Doug Moe because Doug is interviewing Nick. I know, and I always buy Nick's books. So. Right. Wait, pump the brakes on that. Doug Moe is a common fixture at our events. Um, he is a local author. Uh, a columnist for the Cap Times. He wrote, in 2018, he wrote the definitive book on Tommy Thompson that everybody fell in love with. He is a superstar, and I don't care who knows it. Actually, I want everyone to know it. <laughs> he conducts a lot of interviews with our authors, and he just gets into the meat of the work and asks these really beautiful, incisive questions. He is Fantastic. So if there are any events that list Doug Mo as a moderator, you need to drop everything, <laughs> leave your kids at the park. And unattended. Unattended. <laughs> and head over and get a front row seat because he is fantastic. On January 22nd, Wednesday, we have the Mystery to Me Book Club. Yet another vital part of a bookstore's anatomy and physiology is our book clubs. And anyone can come. You can drop in 
sometimes people don't want to read that book, so they won't come for that one, but they'll come for another one, or the timing is off. Or mm-hmm. So this month, we're reading Death and Love the Night Che by Donna Leone. Speaking of which... Pew, 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 pew. Uh, Donna Leone is coming to Madison, Wisconsin on March 4th. She'll be at the Public Library at 7 o'clock. And your friendly neighborhood booksellers, Mystery to Me, will be there selling her books. Woo! Yeah. Um, That's a big win. Yeah, the Beyonce of mystery literature. January 23rd, we have one of my favorite events, the Local Author Slam. Yes! That was so much fun. It's so much fun. When I first got this job, that was an event of old. I decided to bring it back because it sounded so cool. So what we have is three or four local authors, local, local, or regionally local, And they bring their books on consignment to sell. It's an hour-long program, and they each get, depending, 15 to 20 minutes to do with whatever they would like. If they want to read for the whole 15 minutes from their book, great. If they want to do Q&A, if they just want to talk about the book, a little bit of each. And what's cool is that each author brings their own readership with them um, so that the other two or three authors with them are exposed to new readers, and those readers are exposed to new writers, and then it's a big love fest afterward of everybody like buying books and signing books. And uh, then we will keep a couple copies for our inventory so that people who heard about them can come back and buy it. Sort of like a launch pad for local authors or new authors in the area. Saturday, January 25th, John Etter. Great book for middle grade readers. Yeah. And they're, and like adults who read alongside them. I think it's one of those. Yeah, this is the, the second one. The first one was a dreadful, dreadful fairy book. Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing character. Right. Yeah. yeah, and great illustrations too. Yeah. So come one, come all. And then our last event for January is going to be on Thursday, January 30th. It's actually a repeat event. It's a wintry night to recite. We had our first night to recite in the summer. It was super fun. You want to tell us a little bit about it? So you bring the work of your favorite poet or writer and you um, you read. It's, it's just kind of like a slam of your favorite uh, work. And it was honestly one of my favorite events that yeah. we've done here. Well, the hook is that you can't read it from the paper. You have to you memorize it. You have to recite it. it. Yeah, Did yeah. you exactly. have somebody recite the Iliad? Pretty much, but it wasn't the Iliad. What was the big, what was the big one? It was a classic work. It was oh god, it, it wasn't Ode on a Grecian Urn. It was um, oh you're killing me me <laughs> me. What is that poem, Jane? Laid on the the barge of Lac Lafarge, the burial of Sam McGee. Yes, they, the burial <laughs> or cremation of Sam McGee. Is that yes, just, that's cremation. cremation of Sam McGee. Which, I mean, that blew my mind. Yeah, um, and it was memorized. Yeah, yeah, the whole Top thing. Top to bottom. Yeah, incredible. That's what I love about this store. Tell us more. When it's the first time that they've been in the store, or mm-hmm. they just, okay, I'm going to go do that. That's, I'm going to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Or they, um, somebody's coming in to see an author, and when they log in into the store, and, and then they look around and, and can't believe... Um, in this tiny space, what we have in it. This episode of Open Books was recorded at Mystery to Me in Madison, Wisconsin. You can find us online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, mysterytomebooks.com. If you know someone who loves bookstores as much as we do, tell them about our show. 
It also helps us spread the love of bookstores if you rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Open Books is produced by me, Charlotte Kolaluka, and I want to say thanks again to Jane, Tim, and Hannah for joining me on this episode. And of course, no episode of the show would be complete without 15 seconds of Jane, so here she is to play us out. Three, two, one. Hey, so we have a very small graphic novel section. Um, What's really cool about it is we have philosophy, we have true crime, we have everything in there, and... Four seconds. Animal Farm. Yes! (laughs) Can you believe Animal Farm?